0: Welcome to the Human Centred Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kul O'Hay. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to interview some incredible people. And today I get to interview a friend. Now, Chris and I have known each other, goodness knows, at least six or seven years, I think. um, When I first embarked on this journey post-police service of being a business owner, being a specialist in emotional intelligence and leadership and all of these things, Chris came onto my radar and... I was taken aback by everything that Chris was. So, Chris has been in the Navy, so I think we speak a, a similar language anyway, but Chris's life is just incredible. The best way I can describe him, he's gone from living on the streets to having multiple successful websites and entrepreneurial ideas and literally he's like the king of Midas in in my book. It just works magic. So we're going to talk through his journey. But what I particularly like about Chris is his approach to life and leadership. So we're going to explore some of that. So Chris, Thank you so much. I know how busy you are, um, but I'm so honoured that the moment I reached out to you, you said yes straight away. That is typical of you. So thank you so much for being on the programme.
1: Oh, you're very welcome, Colin. Thanks for inviting me. i um, completely happy to share anything that you want from me. I'm quite excited.
0: <laughs> so, Chris, I mean, I, I think it's been goodness knows how many years since we last met or even spoke, to be honest, because I think the COVID years... Uh, The last two years, has just been, I don't know for you, but it's been a complete blank for me where I've just been working in this silo and not really talking to people and just getting on head down. Has it been the same for you?
1: It it, it has. I mean, um, the last couple of years, it's been a bit of um, damage control, to be honest, um, and just ensuring that. Um I've got the continuity of business to to see me through because I didn't get any breaks from the government uh, no grants, no loans, anything like that and I was lucky in that I didn't need to but um yes it it it's it's been a bit of a struggle, but um I've got through it and i've got it got through it having learned quite a lot about resilience and persistence as well so you know um I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, that have struggled and have sadly gone under. Um, but I'm still here, thriving, and um, yeah, lots to look forward to.
0: You mentioned a word there, resilience, which I think uh, you know. So many of us have had to get our heads around and really understand and, and build strength in resilience. And I, I was pretty much the same as yourself, you know, where I had to be really agile. Changed everything that I do to being online. Uh, change. Uh, more of my customer base and and what my customers and clients wanted and resilience was one of those things. So you know through emotional intelligence we've been talking about that, but resilience is something that's quite core to you. Uh, I mean, if you, do you want to just share your story because I think it's a it's it's your story is a remarkable example of resilience uh, and to demonstrate what can happen, what you can achieve if you remain. Hopeful and you remain resilient.
1: It, it, it's quite a long one, so I'm going to have to cut it down to something relatively slim because I can go on for about an hour and a half about the story.
0: I've heard the longer version. Let's try and keep it down to a shorter version because there's so much else I want to talk about.
1: <laughs> what happened was that um, I left school and joined the navy, and, um, and 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 I left the navy after five years because. It wasn't really providing me with um, a, a future that I wanted because I wanted to really be in a position where I, I called the shots, not from an egotistical point of view. But I always knew that I was kind of in control of my own destiny and you couldn't do that in the Navy. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, I because I wasn't fully prepared for life outside a very regimented um, structure, I ended up being homeless in London for for some time. Um, I, it was on and off for um, maybe a, a year, year and a half or so, because I was one of London's hidden homeless. I, I wasn't one, one of the, I hated mm. the whole idea of begging for money. Um, so I used to hide at night um, and I used to find some. Uh, my favourite place was a, some concrete stairs where I could just hide completely out of sight. And this was in Dalston in uh, in London. And um, during the day, I would catch up on the on, on sleep on on the Circle Line, and it it it, it was it it was incredibly tough, um, you know, just being being out on the streets it, it, in the pitch black and in the dark and the cold and the rain and the snow, mm. um, and, and not having any money. And to be honest, I look back and I think I don't quite know how I survived. I think a lot of it um And my, I've talked this through with my therapist. A lot of it is kind of blanks because I find it hard to recall exactly what I was doing from day to day for all that time. Yeah. Um, but eventually I got to the stage where I thought, okay, I am actually down to my final pound coin. And I looked at the pound coin and I thought, right, I'm really hungry. I can do something with this. I can either uh, get some chips. Uh, this is when chips were a lot cheaper than a pound, you know, this is 20 odd years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't get chips for a pound. So no, you get one chip. <laughs> I thought, okay, what am I going to do with this one pound? This one pound really matters. So I, um, I, I I used to do a little bit, when I left the Navy, I used to do a little bit of door-to-door sales. So I thought, okay, I can use this pound. And so I went to a, a, a shop and I bought a toy mobile phone. And this was when to- mobile phones were just becoming the thing and um i thought okay if i take this toy mobile phone to door to door eventually i'll be able to sell it yeah so i took it door to door knocking on doors um hi you know um i even had a proper speech put them in put it in their hand it's half price how many do you want you know typical sort of salesy kind of speech and it wasn't long until i actually sold it for three pounds and I thought, right, okay, I'm not going to eat just yet. I want to go, I'm going to go back and buy um, a, 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 another three of them um, and then take them back out onto the streets and then sell them. And uh, after I got rid of those lots at three pounds each, I had obviously nine pounds. So I bought some chips then. And I was like, oh, yes, this is fantastic. Yeah. Then went back to the shop <laughs> and bought even more. And then I just kept repeating the whole process over and over and over again. And I was doing it for um, it must be about uh, a couple of months or so that I was doing it and just gradually building up my reserves until I got to the point where I could finally, finally check into a backpackers hostel. In, um, in in Earl's Court, uh, £11 a night, yeah. where um, they saw some potential in me. I don't know what they saw in me, but they saw some potential in me, asked me to be the uh, the night manager. So I said, yeah, yeah, great stuff, you, you know, because I didn't have to do anything. I just had to sit there at night, and I got uh, a little bit of money and some free board. Oh,
0: well. And then
1: during the day, i would carry on doing the, the whole door-to-door sales kind of thing. And this carried on for quite some time until eventually... I was able to um, to really start rebuilding my life and and, and get a, a, to feel like I was back in society again. and it all kind of grew from there. then I started to I was able to buy my first computer mm. um, learn how to code websites um, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew and it was about 13, 14 years ago that I built my first ever website. And I've gone from strength to strength ever since. Um, a, a top law firm in London uh, saw the potential, hired me as a webmaster. And all of a sudden, in 1998, I was on £42,000, which was quite a lot of money back then, especially for you know, me.
0: Incredible. And that's
1: when everything just suddenly fitted into place. I felt like I was back. Um, I, I felt like I was human again. I felt like I had some value to my life. Um, but I never actually gave up hope. And I think that's the thing, is that I could have easily have just gone, I'm done. And who knows where I would have spiraled to. But I knew that persistence and determination and drive was everything that I wanted from my life. Uh, I knew that it was kind of inbuilt into me. And that's what's seen me through all all of this time. It hasn't been a constant upwards um slope it, it's been it's been uh, it's been like a roller coaster you know there's been times when i've gone smashing crashing yeah i was just going it... to ask
0: you about that because um this is a real story of resilience and hope uh, but there must have been times when things just didn't go right you might have tried something new and it just didn't work you might have try to, you know, scale your business and it's just not gone right. There must've been failures along the way. Uh, And there's a lot of people who, who are leaders who will be experiencing some level of failure, trying to scale, trying to grow, trying to improve performance, uh, and they will be failing. What would you say to them?
1: To be honest, you have to fail because if you don't fail, you, um, (laughs) you don't build up resilience and determination unless you fail you can drive will only get you so far in life but you need to be resilient as well um whether as a business owner or, or as a as a leader you have to learn how to fail and you have to learn how to fail spectacularly hard as well in order to um to be able to move forward again because if you can't see um how failure impacts you as a person, how can you expect to see how failure impacts other people in your team?
0: That's a really good point, Chris. And that's how you build empathy. You learn more about people by going through failure yourself. And if there's one thing that I think people are are wanting to build right now, is is this ability to be resilient. Because let's face it, the world is quite a challenging place right now in all sorts of ways. And leaders have to uh, traverse this complicated uh, life that we have right now. And they need to be resilient. Whenever it, they come across a challenge, they need to be resilient enough to push through that challenge, learn from the mistakes or the failures, learn from the challenge, maybe. And as a consequence, and as you say, quite rightly, learn about other people along the way. And how that challenge might be affecting other people, so I mean that's really, really uh, useful and really powerful. Now that's your the first potty story, and thanks for giving us a really edited version there. But I think it demonstrates to our listeners how powerful that is. But where are you right now? What you know? Where is your business right
1: now? So the business is it is growing and growing and growing and growing, and and as, as I said, it, it, it I sometimes experience. Um, periods or even extended periods where uh, periods where um things plateau and it's and it's quite hard to kind of you know push through to that that next level and I think Everyone goes through that, but um, yeah. over the past year or so, um, I've created two new businesses. So there's the Rainmakers Club, which is a an online club, kind of like the, the Netflix of sales and marketing, so to speak. So d- small business owners can um, can learn s- sales and marketing to grow their business. And I'm also um, I've also just about to launch a radio telephony training platform um, for new pilots. Um, uh, it all built using an AI system. Nothing else like it out there. Um, so it's all about, and I've always been about ideas, um, and that's how that's how I put through the boundaries. So the level, the, the plateaus that I'm on, only get bursted when I when I think of a new idea. I go right, let's go for it, and I punch through that, and then it's yeah. it, something else grows out of it, and it's uh, it it it's quite wonderful. It's quite, I feel quite privileged to be in a position where that is my driving factor.
0: And, and I've always seen you as this incredibly creative individual, but there's a, there's a couple of three things that I remember you for and I value you for. Uh, and one of those, and I want to really sort of dig down into this, is this whole issue around relationship building. So you and I, we haven't spoken for at least a couple of years, if not longer, but when we do speak, that relationship we forged, you know, only six, seven years ago is still strong now. And we have a great conversation. So relationship building, I know that you're like me, you're an introvert, like I'm an introvert. And, but when you build a relationship, you build a deep relationship on a one-on-one with people. So tell them, just share with some of our listeners, what, why relationship building is so important to you and how you go about building relationships. Because, you know, this Rainmakers Club that you talk about with small business owners, one of the things that they really need to get good at is building those relationships, either from a collaborative point of view or with, you know, their their uh, future clients and prospects, which is what I do and which is what you do, I'm sure, in your business. So relationship building, let's just explore that. Uh, What does it mean to you and how, what are the tips that you could share with people? I
1: remember way back when I first started my business. um, And I started it outside of a a limited company because I was doing it um, in my spare time whilst working in, in marketing. So I was kind of, you know, pretty busy when i um when i gave up full time work and decided to incorporate my business and do it full time i loved it because it meant that um people people would leave me alone <laughs> no longer did i have a team of people that that tested me every single day you know no longer did i have to you know drag people into meeting rooms and giving them a dressing down for being half an hour late or hung over that was a, that was a big thing being hungover. Um, It was a case of, right, okay, I can really do my thing here. One downside is that I was doing it so much. I I retreated so much that I became a hermit in my own home office. And I did this for maybe about, it must have been six years or so. I loved it, don't get me wrong, but I I started to miss that interaction with with other people.
0: Mm.
1: And then... Again, as, as as I've said before, my my business has been through periods of of, of plateau, and I, I I knew that something wasn't quite right, wasn't quite right with this, and I realised, and it was our mutual friend Mo Nawaz, um, who is a FTSE One Hundred mentor.
0: By the way, I'm seeing Mo tomorrow. I shall remember you too. And there's something that you've just said there that really resonates uh, Chris. And I think in the modern context, it will really resonate with a lot of people. You, so you talk about uh, working in a silo, working by yourself for six years, because that was the role that you had. That was a kind of work that you did if you like, but so many people have been doing exactly that for the last couple of years, certainly including myself and I remember only two or three days ago, I said to my wife, I need to get out of the house more. I need to force myself out of the house more. Uh, so, you know, I've joined a gym just so I can go and see people. I'm now saying to my clients, I want to do face to face work, um, just so I can meet people. I think it's so incredibly important for me to go and start uh, building those relationships on a face to face basis rather than just on online. So when you're talking about your experiences right now, I think there's a lot of relevance in the here and now for people. So how did you break away from this six years of enforced isolation to get out there and start developing relationships again?
1: So it it was Mo, to be honest. He was the one that turned around to me and he said, you've got to get out of your ass and you've got to get out of there. Uh, You've got to get out of the office and talking to people. And as, as you've already mentioned, um, that I'm an introvert and the idea of getting out there and talking to people after so much time, after six years of being a hermit, was incredibly difficult. And in fact, I went to one of Mo's um, big meetup things and he said, right, I'd like to introduce Chris. And this was in front of a, a a room of maybe 100 people or so. And I stood up and I tried to interview, sorry, tried to um, um, introduce myself. And I just fell apart, completely Mm -hmm. fell apart. And that's when I knew that I needed those skills, those relationship skills to be able to just talk to people again. So I did. I I did just that. I got out of the office and I started to talk to people about my business, about my ideas. And I found that I actually, um, combined with my story and my history, I found that I actually, did have skills, because I I was just, you know, a, a bloke that could code websites, but people were asking me loads of information, and all of a sudden, I felt some value to myself. I felt like people were coming to me because they wanted, um, because they knew I could help them, and all of a sudden, it all just clicked into place, and I knew right then, there and then, that I knew that people were the whole key to the success of my business and from that very moment over the course of the next what six months or so um my revenue uh, increased and I remember how this um it, it 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 nearly doubled in six months just because I was speaking to people
0: just because you were talking to people building relationships
1: building relationships people people were able to um come on board or, or or offer advice or i was able we were able to create things together or just collaborating just working on things together um mm. it, it it was about 80 percent increase in in business um overall in, in that first six months it just goes to show the power of people and relationships
0: no that is incredible and 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 you know what uh uh, I, I'm a firm, firm believer that relationship building, even if you're an introvert, never let that be an excuse for you not to connect with other people. You, Chris and I are both introverts, but the way that I certainly do it, and I think this is the way Chris does it is if you are uncomfortable or uh, uh, with talking in a crowd, then start developing relationships on a one-on-one start meeting people on a one-on-one, build deep relationships with them. And you'll soon get the confidence of talking to more and more people, but relationship building is key and they, they cannot be superficial relationships. They have to be, there needs to be a depth in that relationship. That's, that's my experience. And that's what serves me. I mean, I have so much repeat work from the corporate clients that I work with. They'll come back to me and ask me to do more work. And I put it down to not the fact that I'm amazing or anything like that. It's, it's that I've got good trusting relationships with people in that organization. It's as simple as that. So Chris, I want to talk now about um, communication. Uh, because it's a nice little segue into this other thing that you're doing, which when you told me just before the podcast started, I was like, what, how did you do this? So this is how incredible a person Chris is. So we're talking about uh, something called Wilco radio. Uh, you've sort of just mentioned it. Chris, do you want to just tell the listeners and the viewers what you were telling me about this new thing that you started, which has just blown my mind to be quite honest. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, in 19, sorry, 2017, I started learning how to, to to become a pilot. So I started taking my pilot's licence, and it's a long, drawn-out process. But um, towards the end of it, and I think it was about 18 months after I actually started um, – that's how long it took me um, – it got to the stage where the, the very final exam was the radio telephony um, exam which is quite complex. So you have to follow a a set of procedures um, that are laid down in law. Um, So it's it's absolutely crucial that you get it right. And I've I've got a bit of a history. When I was in the Navy, I was a radio communicator, radio operator. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get it just right. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So what I did was as I was learning how to do it, I was building an AI, an artificial intelligence system that would enable me to um, to communicate with a, a bot and practice all of those procedures that you have to go through in the air. So joining an airfield, an air um, taking off, you, you know, interacting with other aircraft. And so I created something relatively small. And um, the other members of the syndicate that own our aircraft, they said, "Whoa, we like this. Can we can we use it as well?" Said, yeah, of course you can. So then, word got out, and then other other pilots um, that were that, that are in the uh, the airfield, they said, "Oh, can we use it as well?" And I thought, "Oh, hold on, I'm onto something." <laughs> so I thought, "Okay,
0: let's let's." So hang on a, a minute. Go. Let me just stop you there. Let me just stop you there. So you created this thing just for you, right, to help you yeah. to train on the radio. Yeah. And then other people got to hear about it. They liked it. And now we've got to a point where people outside of your airfield they like it, so the word is now spreading, and you've just had this aha moment
1: so take take it from there so um so word has got out about it, and um i i I launched it about a year ago, just the alpha version, just to a small select group, and it was absolutely inundated with pilots i think we've we got about um, about five hundred in the first week or so, something like that all all you know members as well and um i thought okay this is going to be big <laughs> that's ridiculous so I, uh, I, I i approached um the uh someone quite high i i, I can't really mention too many names I'm not allowed to use him as a promotional thing but um I've t- my co-founder is um is one of the top people at the caa So we teamed up together to produce a not just the AI side of things, um, but also the the whole curriculum, and we fused it all together. And now we've got um, we've we've got uh, some of the world's largest uh, pilot training organisations clamouring for us to finish it and get on board. And it's just going to be explosive.
0: That is incredible. That is incredible. And actually, that's another great example, aside from the fact that it gives us an insight into this incredibly creative mind that you've got. But it's another example of how, when you've got these incredibly powerful relationships around you, you can leverage those relationships and they can make things happen for you. Uh, And that is, I find, I, that happens to me a lot where somebody I have met, they may not be able to give me something over there, but they can, they will leverage our relationship to, to, to take me somewhere else. And I, that happens a lot. So, uh, you know, thanks for sharing that example. So, I mean, Chris, I mean, what does leadership mean to you,
1: Chris? I think more than anything, it's, um, it, it doesn't mean telling people what to do because of ego it means bringing out the best in people so they can really flourish, um, and I think that that's key. If you surround yourself with people that are better than you, that can do the job, and you fuse them all together, you've got a, a, an incredibly powerful team that can achieve everything. You know, as a leader, you can actually t- t- take that 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 team. And achieve anything that, that you want by inspiring them, by lifting them, and by enabling them to um, to have dreams too. And I think that that, for, for me anyway, is the whole ethos of um, of leadership. Not the military style that I'm used to, but a more collaborative effects.
0: I think there's a time and place for that command and control kind of leadership that you will have seen in the military and I will have seen in the police service, but that's, you know, that, that tends to be uh, uh, on, on, on the lesser occasions when things need to be done dynamically, things need to be done in the here and now, or there's a life and death situation. But actually, most of the time, for me, just like you, it is about getting the best out of people. How can The challenge for me with leadership is always, how can I gel these people together, these incredible experts within their own rights? How can I gel them together so that we all move forward in the same direction with everyone using their expertise, everything that they bring to the party, whether it's their past experiences, whether it's their their expertise, whether it's their specialist knowledge, how can we do that? And that, for me, is a test for real leadership. So, listen, thanks very much for spending time with us. What is next for Chris? What's happening on the horizon for you? To
1: be honest, I've probably got enough on my plate at the moment with with what I'm (laughs) I'm doing. Do you know what? In some
0: way, I'm actually pleased that you've said that because you need a bit (laughs) of a break here, really. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, it, it's it's so easy. When you're so ambitious, it's it's easy just to pile on more and more and more and more. But sometimes you've just got to just flatten it out a bit and just ride whatever you're on for a little while. So it's just keeping things ticking over at the moment.
0: Well, listen, Chris, I wish you all the very best. I know how hard you work. I love the creative mind that you've got and the sheer humility in which you uh, talk about your uh, your, your work. Um, I think we need to meet up physically again. It's been way too long. We both need to get out of the house. (laughs) We both need to get out of our offices. So (laughs) let's arrange something. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, for the meantime, thanks very much, Chris. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to Chris A. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.